Good morning, men. Hello from Georgia. Ryan, are you out there? Right dog, jump on real quick with me. You doing all right this morning, man? I'm doing all right. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great, man. Those earbuds are just the jam. I got to get me a pair of those. Can't even hear any of the noise or anything behind you. It, it looks like you have the same ones, though. It might be, but mine are the old version, I think. I don't know. I'll if, have to compare. If you, if you hold it down and you wait for the noise, it, it should do a noise cancellation, with, which is what's helping eliminate you know, the background noise of where I'm at. All right. That's cool. Buddy, I, I got to tell you, I am so excited about Rowdy this morning. I've, uh, I've been studying his bio over the last couple of days. And even before he speaks, I'm like so jazzed and I'm ready to just never quit. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me just read you some highlights, man, um, of his bio real quick. Um, he grew up in Florida in Winter Haven. He didn't really start swimming until he was like 17. You know, a lot of these these young people that go to the Olympics, I mean, they start when they're like three and four and five and six and seven, especially, you know, the ones that get gold. And Rowdy didn't start swimming until he was 17. And, um, and so let me just read a little part of his bio for you, Ryan. This is pretty crazy. He was a shy guy growing up. Um, he found solitude in swimming laps just like the doctor ordered. Uh, but because of his shyness, his, it quickly dissipated when he found his new swimming success. After two years of rapid improvement as a high school swimmer, he was offered a scholarship to swim for Auburn University. Imagine that. Wow. wow. That's crazy. And under, under, under a legendary coach. And if it wasn't for the 1980 Olympic boycott, boycott Rowdy Gaines might have been one of the America's most famous Olympians. He was favored to win four Olympic gold medals in 1980, and he had broken 11 world records. Wow. Have you, have you ever broken one? <laughs> <laughs> Me either. I mean, this is crazy. With, wow. But, you know, that's, that's, that's not where it stops with this gentleman. I mean, throughout his life, um, Rowdy has persevered in multiple spaces multiple spaces. I mean, if we could have hand selected like out of everybody in the world to talk about perseverance, Rowdy Gaines is the guy. Yeah. So listen to this. So he graduated from Auburn in 1981 and thought his swimming career was over. Professional swimming didn't exist at that time. And he left the water for nearly a year and worked at his dad's gas station. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, some of the stuff that he's done in his life and then he and then he went on and I'll, let me talk to you a little bit about what he's actually achieved. All right. So take a look at this. So he's a three time Olympic gold medalist. Not once, not twice, but three times. All right. Uh, he's uh, he's a NCAA, NCAA All-American, 1980, a world swimmer of the year. I mean, his bio is like it's like keeps going, keeps going, keeps going related to all of his achievements. But you know the, the greatest achievement that he's has besides his faith in Jesus Christ is he's been married to his bride for 32 years. I've been married 29, and Carolyn feels like it was two years underwater 
<laughs> being held underwater. No, I've been married 29 years. Browdy's been married 32 years. He's got four daughters, wow. three grand, three grandchildren. I mean, he's just a he's just an inspiration. But uh, you know, we're going to go back to the 1984 Olympics here in just a second. But before we do, why don't you open us up in prayer, bro? Yeah, absolutely. Um, men who are joining us, uh, will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I, as I look at the list of attendees, God, I just thank you for every man uh, that is, is a part of this meeting this morning. God, I ask that you would touch them in a, in a special, unique way this morning through our guest speaker, Rowdy. God, I, I, I lift up to you, Rowdy. I thank you just for the time uh, that he's taking this morning to, to be with us. And I pray just every word that he says would be so from you, God, that it would touch us and that we would leave this morning changed and encouraged. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one question for you, Ryan, before you drop off and we play the uh, 1984 clip. Um, have you ever felt like quitting? Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. And it's it's really inspiring to meet a guy that uh, has a has such a strong attitude in terms of perseverance. Yeah, Amen. we're going to both be uh, motivated and inspired this morning, as well as a lot of the other guys that are on this on this uh, Zoom session or this go to webinar. Mike, that. Mike, if you're out there, bro, why don't we go ahead and take us back to 1984, 1984. I was, uh, what grade was I in? 11th grade, 11th grade, 1984. All right, man, that's such an inspirational video. Wow, wow. Rowdy, are you out there? I am. Go ahead and turn on your webcam there, bro. All right, there you go. I, man. That that every time I watch that, and I've probably watched it, I've watched it a dozen times. I just want to stand up and salute and just cheer. I, you know, I've met a lot of guys, Rowdy, in my life that have achieved a lot, but I've never met a guy. I've never met an Olympian. I've never met wow. an Olympian. Period. I've never met a gold medal Olympian. So your story is uh, incredibly inspiring to me, and uh, we are so humbled and thankful that Charlie Roper introduced you to me. And Charlie's a good friend. And uh, Charlie, just so you know, he normally donates his space above Oxum Coffee, where we typically would host an event like this. And he does it, uh, he doesn't charge Ironman at all, and he just does it out of his own generosity. And so uh, last year when I was thinking about Ironman 2020, I'm like, eh, it's got to be a vision year. We got to have some powerful guys that are, you know, we take this framework of Pat Williams' book, and Charlie's like, "You've got to meet Rowdy Gaines. You got to know Rowdy Gaines, right, David?" I'm like, <laughs> I, "I've heard of him, but I don't know him. Does he live here?" And he's like, "I can introduce you." So, super jazzed to have you this morning, Rowdy. So, I'll shut my webcam down, and and I just want to tell you again that, that I'm so honored, and know that the guys are so honored to be hosting you this morning, Rowdy. Uh, David, thank you so much for that. Your story, and like I said, like, uh, thank you so much, are David. You still there? I, yeah, All I'm right. still here. Are you there? <laughs> the beautiful thing about Zoom and and all the craziness that goes on with something like this, although we're not on Zoom today, but uh, 
but thank you so much for that kind introduction and uh, and it's such a you say uh, you're humbled and honored. Believe me, it, 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 the the uh, the honor is all mine um, to be with all of you this morning. Um, I've I've heard and read so many great things about Ironman, and and uh, it's uh, I'm just uh, I'm just really humbled to be with you all this morning, especially this early in the morning when you're getting up and maybe having a cup of coffee and getting ready to go to work. So hopefully I won't bore you too much with uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of my life and and how uh, really perseverance played into it. Um, um, as David said, uh, I grew up right down the road, Winter Haven, Florida. I'm a third generation Floridian. Uh, my father was born here. My grandfather was born in Tampa. Uh, so uh, Florida is in my blood. Um, Winter Haven has a hundred and something lakes in it. I grew up on a lake my whole life. My parents water skied for Cypress Gardens, which I'm sure some of the older gents in the, in the crowd will, will remember. Um, and uh, I just had always had a passion for the water. And I think when you talk about perseverance, um, which I'll get to, obviously, I think about um, all the words that go into becoming an Olympian. By the way, with that video, I've seen it a million times, David. And uh, my, I still get nervous every time I watch it. I, my, my palms get all, my palms are all sweaty and I'm sitting there going, go rally, hurry, hurry, hurry. But thank goodness it turns out the same way every single time. Though. It, it has the same exactly. every time, right? Uh, so exactly. that's good to know when I watch it. I, at least I know the ending. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, stuff. so yeah, I, I, um, I grew up in Winter Haven and, um, and uh, you know, when you think about words like dedication and commitment and responsibility and teamwork and setting goals and even taking risk and being original, these are all words that I try to live by. But um, as you were asking Ryan, you know, did you ever feel like quitting? I can't, I can't begin to tell you how many times uh, I felt like quitting. And sometimes I did quit. So I want to tell you all, and, and I think you, I think from all of your successes, I think you can probably relate in many ways. You know, I was never perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I made a lot of mistakes along the way during my career, during my life. Um, but it's, it's sort of like I try to teach my, my grandchildren now. Um, my, it's a little too late for my children. Well, I guess it's not never too late, but my youngest is 21. Um, you know, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you learn from them. Um, but, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about dedication and commitment, I think that's part of, for me anyway, and I relate a lot of what I talk about around swimming because that's kind of what I know best, obviously. Um, it, it's about remaining steadfast during the good times and bad times. You know, I think our lives, at least mine anyway, it's been this huge roller coaster, right? It's like you have these huge peaks and valleys and you're constantly going up and down. And um, I, I think the real champions are the ones that can live through the good times, which is the easy part of life, but really suffer and live through the bad times, the, the real valleys. Um, to tell you the truth, I've, I've learned more from the valleys that I've experienced in my life a lot more than the winds and the peaks. It doesn't mean I didn't want to have those wins. It didn't mean I wanted to have those losses, but, but I really learned so much from them. Um, 
I'll, I'll give you a, a couple of examples for me um, that really relates not only to the dedication part, but certainly I would think perseverance in many cases. Um, uh, in 1980, David touched upon it. In 1980, I'll never forget going to the swim meet. Um, it was April 1st, 1980. Um, and I broke my very first world record. And to break a world record in swimming is pretty cool. I think next to winning an Olympic gold medal, it's the highest level you could reach. Um, the day after I broke that world record, the president of the United States at the time, uh, Jimmy Carter, announced that we would not go to the Olympic Games, that we would officially boycott the Olympics. And you have to remember for me, in the sport of swimming, the Olympics is the pinnacle of success. We don't have a World Series or Super Bowl where I think I'm wearing it. Yes, if my favorite team, the Chicago Cubs, don't make the World Series, then I can hope and pray that they make it the next year. Of course, after 108 years, we finally won the World Series. But um, so, you know, in swimming, it's every four years. And uh, so my journey all of a sudden turned from a four-year journey into an eight-year journey. Uh, we were sitting behind the blocks right before my last race at the Olympics. It was the 400 medley relay, and we were trying to figure out how many miles each one of us had swum to get to this point where my race, um, as you saw on the video, last 49 seconds. I won the 100 free in 49.8 seconds. And in those eight years, I swam in the vicinity of, maybe not exactly, give or take a mile or two, uh, about 24,000 miles, which is the circumference of the globe at the equator. So I didn't literally swim around the world, but figuratively I, I, I swam around the world to, to get this point to, to be able to swim that race. And I've always said I will swim, I would have swum every single mile all over again to have the journey. It wasn't necessarily the end product for me. Yes, I wanted to win the gold, no doubt about it. But for me, I learned so much about the journey. The journey is really what taught me all the lessons that I've learned in my life. That that eight-year journey was so important for me to learn the words of dedication and commitment, um, certainly responsibility, and so all the other ones I mentioned, and certainly in many ways, perseverance. Um, another, uh, the, the second one I learned really about dedication has to do with my health. And in, in 1991, I came down with an illness called uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. It was discovered by two French scientists. They sometimes call it Guillain-Barre, but it's pronounced Guillain-Barre. And uh, it's uh, for those medical uh, guys in the audience, uh, uh, you would know that, that uh, Guillain-Barre is a neurological disorder. I won't get into a lot of details, but basically it, it, it shreds the nerves uh, or, or the sheath around your nerves in your, in your system. And it, basically can render you paralyzed in many cases. And for me, it, it was complete paralysis. And, you know, I was in the hospital for about six months, a little touch and go there for a while. We've all had our um, issues physically, I'm sure. And so, uh, you know, when my wife, when my wife was obviously my biggest champion, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to serve that, survive that time without her. But uh, the day I got out of the hospital was the day that I had her take me to the swimming pool. Um, because uh, I knew the pool was my sanctuary in many ways. And uh, I had to relearn how to swim all over again. In fact, when I got to the pool, I couldn't swim. I had to stand up and just kind of wade through the water. I could barely stand, but standing in water was a lot easier than standing on land. But uh, I guess my point there is um, I never ever took my health for granted. 
after that day some 35 years ago or 30 no 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 almost 30 years ago excuse me and uh, it's uh, it's a reminder to persevere again through the good times um, and the bad times uh, another word that I tried to to, to try to live by uh, was being ha being having the ability to take risks in your life and you know I, I think when you look at uh, the ability to be unafraid to fail. I think that's really important. Uh, at least it was for me. And it was really important for my coach, and I'll get to him in a minute, uh, to be able to take those calculated risks. And again, the example I I, I, I give you was in, in, in 1982, this is two, year, two years before the Olympics, our sport, swimming, went to a no-fault start rule. So before 1982, not only were we allowed to false start once, but you were allowed to false start twice. You were not disqualified until the third false start. So I always false started because I love getting in the water. I love uh, the, the, the feeling I had being in the water before the actual race. So I, I always had the habit of false starting. So um, when we went to the no false start rule, I still had that trouble false starting, and I can't really do it here. Watch showing you. Uh, I could do it on stage, but um, it, before that, um, everybody had both feet forward on the starting platform, the starting block, and when the starter said take your mark, both toes were gripped around the front of the block, and you came down, and you took off on the gun. Well, as you you might not have noticed, but in the video, I came up with what is now known as the track start, where I put one foot forward, one foot back like a track athlete. I came down and I leaned back on the block a little bit, which gave me stability on the platform itself. And it really solved the problem of false starting. The first time I ever did that start was a couple of months after I learned how to do it at the 1982 World Championships, which is the biggest meet there is for a swimmer, except the Olympics. Um, and uh, I made the finals uh, and uh, was seated first. And, uh, you know, uh, long story short, uh, my back foot slipped off the back of the blocks and I did a belly flop right in the water. Now I finished eighth in the race at the world championships of course there were only eight swimmers in the race um but i vowed never to make that mistake again uh i wasn't afraid to fail uh i think that's the lesson i learned from that was you can never be afraid to fail in life and and certainly i never was afraid to fail in swimming and i was taught that again by my coach um and uh, for the next two years, I vowed never to make that mistake again, like you teach your grandchildren, like you teach your children. And I had this noble goal to be the last one out of the water every single day. Now, that goal was tough when I was training with 20 or 30 guys that were also trying to make the Olympic team. Uh, and, and, you know, we're, we're training about six hours a day. So... It was, it was, it, it, could you train twice as hard? You know, you hear this old cliche, you know, I work twice as hard. I couldn't work twice as hard, obviously. But again, I, I wanted to have that goal of being the last one out of the water. So some days it turned into six hours and 
15 minutes. Some days it turned into six and a half hours, strictly because I was working on that start. And two years later, as you can see and saw from the video, I had a pretty good start. Uh, and I, I really think a, a big part of the reason why I won that gold medal was because of the start. So I learned so much from that failure two years before. Uh, and you could tell Mark Stockwell, by the way, uh, was a little upset after that race. And uh, actually, I'm, I'm digressing a little bit, but Mark is a, a very dear friend of mine now. He's from Australia. He's married to perhaps the greatest female swimmer in history, Tracy Calkins, who also swam on that Olympic team with me in 1984. They have four children, four children. I'm even the godfather of one of their children. So it's it's one of those things where we have become um, extremely good friends. Whenever I go to Australia, I stay at their home. We don't talk much about the race, that's for sure. In fact, I don't think we've ever talked about the race, but uh, a, a tremendous guy. Um, so that's that's sort of another word, another term that I try to live by. Uh, another one is uh, is originality. And I think it was something that I was taught by my father. He, he taught me um, the valuable lesson of you can you can go through life being a leader or a follower. And he said, you do not want to go through life being a follower. And it goes back to the boycott and me quitting uh, and wanting to quit. In 1981, that was my senior year in college. And um, after, after your senior year, you, you retire. Um, you're 20, 21 years old, and that's what you do. You retire from the sport. The greatest swimmers in history pre-1988 all retired when they were 21. Uh, Mark Spitz was 20 when he retired. John Neighbor won four gold medals in 76, retired when he was 21. So it, it's, 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 we did that because there was no way to sustain your efforts to swim post-college. Post you know, when, like I said, when you're swimming six hours a day, it's hard to, to have a job. Um, and so after my senior year, I quit, I retired. And um, after about six months, my dad came to me and he said, do you want to go through the rest of your life? Never pressure me. And I'll get, again, I'll get to my parents, and my coach in a minute. Never pressure me. But he said, do you want to go through the rest of your life with regrets? Do you want to go through the rest of your life saying what if? And, and I think I took that meaning, was I going to be able to look in the mirror and asked that question the rest of my life when I heard the Olympic theme song, when I heard the national anthem, when I saw the American flag, certainly when I watched the Olympics on television. And so I made that conscious decision after that, that discussion with my father to go for 1984, to be able to swim back then was another three years. And, um, and, and that was a decision to be a leader. And again, there were a lot of bumps and bruises those three years uh, because I didn't have any money. <laughs> In fact, my daily routine when I, for two and a half years, daily routine after I made the, uh, after I made the decision to go for it, because I didn't have college, I had to go get a job to support myself. Um, I, I woke up, I swam from six to nine, give or take. Uh, I slept all day swam from three to six and then i was a night clerk at the hyatt regency in austin texas for two and a half years um and my night shift was uh 8 p.m to 3 a.m and uh 
I did what was necessary. I had to become a leader. And to me, a leader doesn't mean walking around saying I'm the boss. Obviously, I'm not doing that in any of those circumstances I'm telling you about. It was like making the decision to do what was right, at least what was right in my heart. Um, And I've always felt that's what originality is, is being a leader and taking a stand for what's right. And uh, uh, one more quick example on that. There was a, a gentleman, talk about originality, his name was David Burkhoff, and he was a backstroker, right? And he was a bit of a fledgling backstroker. Uh, he, he didn't really have a great shot of making the Olympic team. But what he did was he came up with what we know now as the Burkhoff blastoff. It's not done anymore. Um, but he took off on his back. He swam underwater for 45 meters. Remember, the Olympic pool is 50 meters long. 45 meters. Came up, did a flip turn, and then he would go about 40 meters uh, underwater coming back in a two-link pool. I mean, in a two two length race, which is 100 meters. Um, so he spent 85% of the race underwater because he was faster underwater on his back doing the dolphin kick than he was on top of the water. A long story short, again, he ends up making the Olympic team in 1988 and wins a gold medal. Um, so, uh, you know, it was it was a perfect example for me that it was somebody that was not afraid to take a risk. Um, not afraid to be original in their thinking, uh, just as, as I, I felt like I was. It wasn't just me. It was several people around me, including my coach, that decided to take a risk with that track start. And by the way, there isn't one competitor in the world of swimming now that doesn't do a track start, whether you're five years old or 50 years old. Every single swimmer now does the track start. So um, that's, a, that's a pretty cool aspect of, of being that that uh that leader in in that respect um the last word that i tried to live by um is teamwork um you know i I won as david said i won three gold medals and um uh, i gave one to my mom i gave one to my dad and i gave one to my coach i gave them all away because i could not have won those gold medals without their love and uh, without their support, uh, I am not a big deal, y'all. <laughs> All I did was one of it was a swim race. Um, now, granted, it was a really big swim race, but um, I've always tried to at least tell a lot of youth groups I, I talk talk to. And if I can digress for just a second again, um, during this this pandemic, this huge crisis that we're all facing. Um, it's certainly a valley. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I worked for the YMCA, the Central Florida Y, as Charlie knows. Um, Charlie, by the way, is just an incredible friend. And um, we miss being together in Tokyo this summer. He, was, he and his family were going to come to Tokyo and um, sit in the booth with me in Tokyo. And uh, I'm, I'm calling my eighth Olympic Games uh, next summer, we hope. Um, in Tokyo for NBC as a, as a broadcaster, and uh, and Charlie was going to come. So Charlie and I have had a great relationship, a board member of the Y, and you know the Y was uh, has been devastated by this crisis, obviously. And so I was let go from the Y about four months ago, and kind of learning how to refocus my energy on on certain things. And uh, you know it's a valley, uh, but I tell you that because during this crisis we had a lot 
of swimmers that I mean other athletes too going for the Olympics and all of a sudden this was taken away from them so in many ways even though it's apples and oranges a little bit I can empathize with them because I had something taken away from me very very that was going to be very dear to my heart as well of course that was taken away and never given back at least from the 1980 um, Olympics perspective um, they have that chance next summer we hope and pray but uh, but I've been on probably 50 or 60 Zoom calls uh, over the last five or six months with different um, uh, teams across the country. And, you know, again, my message is very similar to what I'm telling y'all is, you know, you just got to hang in there. Um, you've got to persevere uh, because I, I, I believe with all my heart and I certainly pray with all my heart that we're going to come out of this and we're going to be better people from you know it's not only the crisis the pandemic there's a lot of other things going on in our lives right now that are um, pretty tragic so we um, we're going to come out of this and we can do this together and so i've always have felt like telling my telling those kids that the big deals in their life really need to be the people that help shape their lives and for me it was my parents you know um that's one of the reasons why I gave them one of my gold medals each, because they were just this huge support system. I wish I could have won 40 gold medals because I would have given one to each uh, to each one of my um, teammates on that Olympic team in 1984, because they all played an integral part in my success during that Olympic time, during that, during that Olympic time period. Um, I... Uh, I didn't start swimming, as David said, until I was 17 years old. And here's another example of perseverance, I guess. Um, I tried out for five different sports in high school, and I got cut in all five of them. I tried out for football, baseball, basketball, golf, and tennis my sophomore and junior year. And in, in, um, at Winter, ha Winter Haven High School, anyway, we didn't start high school until 10th grade. So uh, I... I didn't have great direction when I first got to high school. I was starting to feel like I was I was going down the road of being a follower, hanging out with people that certainly weren't in the best interest of my future. So I really wanted to do a sport. So like I said, I tried out for five different sports. I got cut in all five of them, but I never gave up. And that's the message I tell these kids, man, never give up on your hopes and your dreams, because in my opinion, even us, even we have those hopes and dreams still. I'm 61 years old, guys, and I still have these hopes and dreams um, to be a better father and a better husband, a better friend, a better coworker, um, and a better son. My mom passed away a year ago, but my father's still alive. and, and uh, so I, I, I will, I just want to implore that, implore you that, that you take a look at your life and understand that um, I'm, I'm kind of living proof <laughs> that you should never give up on your dreams and your hopes. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Um, I'll tell you one last quick, it, 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 it's, it's a bit of a funny story, but I'll tell you one quick story um, before I wrap it up. Um, and this is the story about um, the Olympics and how cool the Olympic Village is. Uh, 
I'm sure you've probably watched the Olympics on television and you probably hear some of the athletes and some of the broadcasters talk about the Olympic Village. It's so cool because all the athletes from all around the world, we all stay in this one location. There were, you know, back in 84, there were about 8,500 athletes and we all stayed together. And it was really cool getting to know the different cultures from around the world. My Olympics was in Los Angeles and we stayed on the campus of USC. They actually had shut the campus down and we stayed in the dormitories. And um, at, on campus, we had this cafeteria and it was open 24 hours a day. You could go in there anytime you wanted to and you can imagine all the different foods they had to feed all the different cultures from around the world. So for me, uh, I, you know, I had a hard time sleeping uh, the, the day before my race and I'm up at two or three o'clock in the morning, couldn't sleep. And I just said, hey, I'm going to go grab a bite to eat or do something down in the cafeteria to, and not wake up my, my roommate. I walked down there. Obviously, there's nobody down there except one other guy. This, by the way, is the true story. Absolutely true story. So um, he he's sitting across from me. I decided to sit with him because it's only the two of us and he didn't speak any English and his warmups were a bit tattered and torn and maybe thinking he was from a, a third world country possibly. But again, this was something, it was such a great feeling for me because I felt like, you know, this is what the Olympics is all about, bringing everybody together um, for a common goal and, and that's humanity. And um so he had a tea cup and he had a tea bag and he took the tea bag and he broke it open. He tore it open and then he poured the contents in the cup. And then he poured the hot water on. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't think this guy understands that the paper, you know, on the tea bag was okay. You, it wasn't necessary, obviously, to do that. So I wanted to be an example to this guy. And I, I, took, I took a tea bag and I said, excuse me, paper. Paper okay, paper okay. Again, didn't speak English. Paper okay, and I, I put it in my cup. I poured the hot water on, and the brown started coming out. And uh, boy, you should have seen this guy's eyes. I mean, they were like wide open. And at that moment, I thought, boy, this is what my life has come to at this moment. The day before I swim in the Olympics is just having this, this cool, common, beautiful moment with this man from outer Mongolia. The next thing he did was he took a packet of sugar and threw it in his tea. And literally he's stirring it around and looks up at me and says, paper okay, paper okay. And I just said, yes, sir. Thank you very much. And got up and walked away. So, so much for uh, helping our, our fellow man. But uh, it's a funny story. It's a true story. Um, but fortunately about 30 hours later, I, I won the gold medal. Um, again, it's been, uh, it's been wonderful being with all of you. I, uh, you know, I'm not one to, you know, uh, to quote scripture or anything like that. I, I, I think I was reminded many ways along my journey to think about some of the things that meant so much to me. And I think the one that I've always gone back to in certain times in my life, though, I, I'll leave you with this one is, uh, is from Second Corinthians and uh, it's 448 and it says, you know, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And I tried to remember that along my journey again, you know, 
I you know I I I don't want to disguise it. I I I sometimes curse God many times during my life because I blamed him for many things that were obviously not his fault. But I always um, certainly ask for forgiveness in many ways. I ask for forgiveness every single day. And uh, but that 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 that, uh, that scripture really meant a lot to me and still means a lot to me. Um, so again, I want to I want to thank Charlie to have initiated everything. And certainly I want to thank David. Um, David, you've just been awesome. I just appreciate everything, my friend. And uh, Mike and Ryan, we all met uh, yesterday to kind of warm things up and go through a little rehearsal. And they're very dedicated to this uh, to this cause and, and just really appreciate um, everything you guys have done. So David, Mike, Ryan, thank you so much, guys. Appreciate oh. everything. Rowdy, it's a privilege. And Charlie's actually on this call. I looked at oh, all the good. attendees. So. Oh, good. Charlie's been Charlie. Yes, we all love you, Charlie, and thank you for your generosity to Ironman. Uh, Rowdy, I know you got a fourth gold medal this morning. If Ironman could give you a gold medal, I would have given <laughs> you one because I know how challenging it is to present to just you in your family room in front of a little camera and no audience. But I, I, I want to tell you, I was cracking up when you're talking about you threw the, the sugar packet paper. Oh my God. So, I was so embarrassed. So I mean, it was really embarrassing more than anything, you know, cause you don't know what to say to him, you know, right. You're sitting there, David, and I'm going, Oh, do I tell him, Hey, that paper's not, I just better get up and leave. But anyway, true story is funny story. It's awesome. You know, Ironman, we're a discipleship. You know, Jesus gave us a main mission when he left. He says, go and share the gospel and make disciples. And so Ironman, one of our uh, our key verses for this ministry is Proverbs 27, 17. And it says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. I mean, you don't you don't get to be a gold medal Olympian with swimming with guys that are way below your skill set. You probably swam with guys that stretched you and and coaches that stretched you in massive ways. And you did that for us this morning. I know that Ryan and Mike uh, wanna have a couple of closing questions with you if you've got a couple more minutes, Rowdy. Sure, no problem. All right, I'm gonna turn my webcam down and uh, Ryan- Hey, by the Mike, way, David, I, did Mike and yeah. Ryan, did you guys uh, time it? You said 33 minutes, <laughs> I think I'm right on, dude. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was 33 minutes. Totally. Go figure. Go figure. It was 32 and a half. You beat the time. Oh, did I? Oh, man. <laughs> so, so really quickly, I, before my race at the Olympics, this is how much I live by the clock. I could close my eyes, swim my race in my head, start, uh, start the stopwatch, start the race in my head, close my eyes, not look at the clock swim that race, stop the stopwatch, look at it, and I would go within two or three tenths of a second every single time of my goal in my race. And so, uh, wow. unfortunately, you know, I when my wife says, what time are you leaving? I go, 7.12. I'm leaving at 7.12. You know, I'm so anal about that. So I apologize. <laughs> well, that's great. Hey, uh, Rowdy, you, 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 and I and the, you and I and Charlie are going to have a cup of coffee when uh, when we get back, when I get back in town. So, Charlie, thanks again for the introduction to Rowdy. And Rowdy, I'm going to shut my camera down, but Mike and Ryan are actually going to close up with a couple of questions for you. Sure. Yeah, thanks, David. Just just to give everybody a little backdrop, I got a text message from David during your during your talk saying, "Hey, Mike, Wi-Fi is a little weak. Can you can you come on towards the end and 
and interact. And I got so excited. Um, so just now your, your webcam looked great, David, but I, I'm, I'm happy to get the opportunity to talk to Rowdy. How cool is that? Um, and uh, I do have a couple of questions, uh, but first I wanted to make a comment. Um, whenever you said, uh, I'm not really a big deal, uh, I think we can all relate to your humbleness and that's awesome. But the, the reason why you are such a big deal is because we all have goals and dreams and things that we're trying to accomplish right now. Uh, I'm thinking of some that I have, and I'm sure all of the other men are thinking of things that are important to them right now that they're trying to accomplish. And whenever we see you accomplish that goal and win the gold medal, we all think it's possible and you give us hope and inspiration. Um, so I just wanted to call that out, how incredibly of a big deal you are, Rowdy. <laughs> no, no. no, it's no false sense of, of uh, humility. I, I'm really not. I mean, I'm really not. I mean, I think, we, and again, this is a little bit cliche-ish, Mike, but you know, when you think about our first responders and our, our military and the people that fight for our freedom every day, those are those are real heroes. Our doctors, especially on the medical front, the last six months. I, I mean, like I said, I just want to swim race. It's not a it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, then then the, the the second thing is is any and then just the thought of anybody picking up swimming as late as, as you did, it becomes obvious to everybody on this webinar that, that there's only one reason for that. And that's just glory to God, right? I mean, God gave you uh, this gift and nudged you, tapped you on the shoulder, did something, put you in the pool, uh, got you out of the lakes there in Winter Haven. And um, <laughs> so so that's another another thought that I'm sure didn't escape a lot of the men. But I, I do have a question. I won't, I won't just sure. make this a commentary. No, no, um, no. A lot of times, whenever uh, athletes like you are interviewed, um, we don't we don't get to ask the question that the journalists ask you. And the question that came to my mind as you were talking is, I'm just really curious what your conversations sounded like with God in 1984. Um, how how much a part of that race that we watched uh, was, was he with you from your perspective and what did the conversation sound like back then? Well, a, a lot of the, the conversations I had with God are, are, are certainly personal and private. But, Mike, I will tell you that many cases, uh, it, was, it was just such a huge calming effect for me, Mike. I, I, can, I can't begin to, to tell you, uh, again, this is just me putting the pressure on myself, but you know, this is one moment after eight years of training. So uh, when when you watch that video, um, as I, I think I said earlier, it's part of a, a, a two and a half hour movie, actually. That video that you showed earlier is three and a half minutes, but that video of my moment in those Olympic games is actually a 20 minute video film. And which is part of a two and a half hour film on the Olympic Games themselves. But part of that 20 minutes in the video has me talking about um, at least the, the spiritual side I had. And, and a lot of it was the calming effect that the Lord had on me, especially when I walked out on that deck. I, I can't begin to tell you. And it shows me walking out on the deck and you could just see and visualize the 
the absolute that calm that was that had come over me and and that was the lord helping me walk out on that deck before my race because there's 20,000 people and this is after 8 years uh and i was so nervous beforehand and and again i won't belabor the point but but uh those nerves really got the best of me the two years leading up to the olympics because i just couldn't handle the nerves the nerves they just overtook me on on the block and you know when you hear that that word choke that's kind of what i felt like i was doing the two years previously even though i was world record holder in the hunter free and um but for some reason especially when i was when i was praying the the, the that morning of and the, that afternoon of my final it just it just took hold when i walked out on the deck and i just remember you know thanking him <laughs> thank you thank you so much i just kept thanking him as i'm walking out because i felt so calm and i felt so relaxed and i think that was a, a huge part of my my success um when, when i hey, swam that Rowdy. race I can't help when you were describing that. Hopefully, my Wi-Fi is working here. But yeah, I, I couldn't help you. but think. I couldn't help but think about Peter, and I relate so well to Peter. You know, mm -hmm. Peter's Peter's in the boat. The storm is going all over the place, and Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter's yeah. like, "Well, I could do that," you know. And just Jesus gave him a calmness so that he could actually step out of the boat and then begin to walk on the water. And of course, then he shortly thereafter gets a little overwhelmed again, but certainly God can provide that calmness. And it's cool to hear that he actually did that for you before you walked out on the deck. Just, no like, Peter, just like Peter got it right before he walked out on the water. Yeah, and, and David, you're so right, uh, buddy. It's, 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 it's so true. And, you know, and it takes effort. And, you know, not, it's not just going to happen. You, 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 you've got to, you've got to seek that 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 calm and 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 pray to our heavenly father constantly and do do the do your homework and uh but uh i i don't I, and again i'm i'm so i'm so add i sometimes digress but and i i normally don't um promote anything but i just got through my wife and i just got through watching the series the chosen and it has the story of, of peter if you haven't seen it um, you can watch it on youtube and it's just it's a beautiful movie or beautiful series actually and they really tell the story a lot on Peter, which is really cool. But anyway, um, you're right. Peter was uh, <laughs> taken aback at first, certainly. Mm -hmm. Ryan, you got any closing comments as well? Yeah, you know, uh, Rowdy, I, I took some notes when you were speaking. I was very encouraged. Um, uh, first, I, I wrote down, I, I looked up, perseverance is, is doing something despite of difficulty or delay in achieving success. And I really uh, appreciated the perspective that you gave because I know the, the focus even on the video that we showed was on that moment, but how you said that it was supposed to be a four-year journey to that moment, but it turned into an eight-year journey. And uh, how I, I wrote down that you learned more from the valleys than you did from the peaks. And um, I don't know, yeah. that really hit me. And I, I wonder how many guys are on this call that 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 perspective of of how sometimes we can learn a lot more in the valleys than we do from the peaks and i know for me that that's a huge takeaway of encouragement uh this morning and i'm sure for many guys that are you know going through a lot during this time um, I, I know that i'm starting to understand a little bit after about six months of all of this 
of everything <laughs> that God is, has been and is doing uh, in me. Uh, and, and that's perspective. So, um, yeah. And then you said, don't be afraid to fail. Uh, that one hit me too. It, it's, it's simple, but coming from you and your story, uh, it, 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 it's powerful. So uh, thank you, Rowdy, for, for that perspective that you gave uh, to us this morning. I feel very charged and encouraged. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, I believe me, I, I lost a lot, a lot more races than I won. Let me let me put it that way. <laughs> the wins are great. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it by saying, you know, the valleys are wonderful. They're not. Um, and you always aspire to be successful. But but I certainly sure. learned learned those lessons that actually helped me reach the peak. So thank you. Yeah, one thing we talk about in Ironman all the time is that failure is fertilizer for future success. You know, and that that image that you gave on the deck where you slipped and you belly flopped into the pool and came in <laughs> and came in eighth. It's like you failed, you failed forward, man. You failed forward. Mm. That's that I love that part of your story. I'm and yeah. not not too long ago, Rowdy, I I uh I got hit with cancer. And mm. I'm a pretty I'm a pretty strong guy, and but I remember coming home from the hospital, and out of coming out of you know the uh, all the stuff that they put in you, and I had to walk with a walker, and yeah. Um, yeah, this is probably six or seven years ago, and I and I can't even walk without the assistance of a walker, and how fragile that I felt, but it's cool that part of your story when you came back from the hospital, you said take me to the pool, take me to the pool, this is where I feel. Uh, serenity and calmness and I feel lighter and yeah. so there's so many yeah. elements of your story that man I could just preach long lessons on each one of those yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much buddy I appreciate it I it's it's tough to to wake up sometimes early and listen to somebody flap his mouth or her mouth for that matter um, for for a half an hour but I appreciate everybody tuning in yeah, just to give you an example, just to finish that thought, you know, take me to the pool. I, I, I think about the the man that was healed from leprosy. And I think yes. about some of the events that happened around the pool in, in Jesus's life. And there's so many little yeah. analogies, whether it's walking out on the deck or, you know, the belly flop in the water and finishing eight uh, that have a woman by great, the well. Yeah. Yeah. It's have great parallels to your story and Jesus's story. So I know Mike and Ryan want to close up this morning, but uh, they're going to close in prayer. So feel free to hang in there, Rowdy. They're going to pray over you as we close up with Ironman. So thank you again for the time that you took to pour into this virtual audience of Ironman. And I look forward to you, me, and Charlie getting a cup of coffee together soon. Sounds good, buddy. Look forward to it. What do you think, Mike? I opened you close. Oh, sure. I'll take a crack at it. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, dear Lord, uh, I want to thank you for having Rowdy join us today. And uh, I believe strongly that your Holy Spirit is in Rowdy and spoke through his mouth to all of the men on this webinar today and Iron Men. I pray that that same Holy Spirit is within all of us uh, this weekend and that uh, we are engaged in his the perseverance that Rowdy demonstrated and has demonstrated through his life. Uh, and dear Lord, although Rowdy didn't talk much about it, uh, in 1991, we think about the struggles that he went through 
and the struggles that many men are going through on this call right now during this, this difficult time. And I ask, we ask that you give all of us strength to get through these valleys uh, that we undoubtedly will find throughout our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Uh, thank you. Everybody have an outstanding weekend. One last thing, one last thing. Rowdy, uh, Tom Lopez has a beautiful custom olive wood, Bethlehem olive wood pin that is being delivered to you today, as I understand it. So it's oh, just a awesome. small a small way for us to say thank you. I just wanted you to know that. That's so wonderful. Thank you. Not necessary at all, but I'll, I'll, I'll treasure it forever. So thank you. It does come with an Ironman challenge. All right. Okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and extend this to you, which is odd for me to extend a challenge to an Olympian, gold medal Olympian. Um, <laughs> but it's it's three parts. All right. You don't need to write I'm this ready. down because I know that you I know you can remember. Love your wife. Your wife's name is Judy, right? Correct. Thirty-two years. I know that Carolyn and I've been married, like I said earlier, twenty-nine years. And I know that I get harder to love, but she doesn't. And she's and Tell she's perfect. And she's always meeting my needs every day. Yeah. So she's she's easy to love. Yeah. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I don't think I am. <laughs> but my wife, she is so patient. She she's so patient with me. But you know, one of the things we stand for in Ironman is to love others and starting with our wives. So we're gonna challenge you to continue just to pursue Judy and love her. Um second is to is to love Jesus as a part of that. You know, if your focus is on Jesus, then it's easy for you to love Judy, just like it is easy for me to love Carolyn. And you know, know what you believe so that you can explain it and then lead others well like you do so well, Rowdy. So that's the challenge. I'll wrap it up with that. Look for a pen in the mail today. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye. See you guys.